Thank you, Abby, for sharing a personal story. It actually ties in really well with the story of Abraham I'm about to share. Um, and I'm glad that when you woke up and there was the crow there and the rabbit, that they didn't attack you. So you're probably lucky there because rabbits can be pretty vicious. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of things I wanted to say before um, I start tonight. Firstly, I thought last Sunday night was fantastic. Um, the dinner and everything after, not referring to my sermon, um, <laughs> the, the dinner afterwards was just awesome and such a good time to, to gather around. And so uh, I appreciate that I'm not exactly who did all the organisation there, but there was probably a few people who did lots and lots of work. So can we just acknowledge and thank those people? That'd be awesome. Uh, secondly, um, there's someone up in the very back corner there who looks vaguely like Troy Gray. Uh, for you know Troy, until last week he had some serious dreadlocks going on. Uh, he's had them cut off, which is, um, which is a blessing. Do you want to stand up? Uh, the exciting part, though, is that um, Troy didn't just cut off his dreadlocks. Uh, he actually did it as a fundraiser. And how much have you raised through that for the work of Hidiai in Indonesia? Over $5,000. So awesome work, uh, um, uh, Troy, and also well done to everyone who supported that. That's great. Final thing I wanted to mention is that um, through our social media and in the weekly update and stuff, we've been talking quite a bit and promoting about um, awareness around the, the legislation for abortion reform that's going before the South Australian Parliament. It was meant to go, I think, last week and was delayed and is going to go, I think, this week or, or soon. Um, there was a rally held on Saturday morning around that, and just wanted to say that if you weren't there, there's been huge representation from our church at that rally, and there were thousands and thousands of people there. Um, also, uh, local, um, our local politicians have received thousands of emails, phone calls, and letters from people, not just Christian people, but people all around um, the state, all around the hills, contacting local members, and it makes a difference. So uh, if you haven't um, uh, had any awareness of this issue, I'd encourage you to become aware of it, read the legislation, and if you feel moved to actually do something about it, um, which actually ties in also with the sermon that I'm speaking around believing and what it means to truly believe. So... I'm preaching tonight this series called uh, Renew, and it's setting the scene for the year where our theme is Renew. We want to see uh, everyone in our church, we want to see our church as a whole renewed in our love for God, renewed in our love for others, renewed in our concern and heart for the broken, uh, renewed in our relationships, renewed in those who are married, our marriages, our families, um, and in all sorts of areas we, we want to see God bring renewal into our lives. And so we're starting with a four-week series, and we're, we're tracking with uh, four topics for a, a series called Growth Track, which we're running currently in the morning service. It's been run at Verdun. It's an introductory uh, introduction to our church, but also into uh, what we call the, the pattern of discipleship, or the cycle of discipleship, which I'll talk about. Tonight I'm talking about, last week was belonging, this week is believing. So let me start with a story. Uh, this is a story, not my story, but it's a story uh, a pastor who I used to work with told. And he assures me it's a true story. And I guess because it's a pastor and he told this story, uh, it must be true. Because pastors always tell true stories. Um, he, um, he got on a plane one day and he sat down. He's the second seat from the window. Um, and the guy uh, who was sitting on the window seat came and sat next to him. And um, 
the guys sort of sat down and, and then looked out the window and he starts looking intently out the window and he calls over the uh, stewardess and says, um, could you please speak to the pilot? He said, I am a pilot myself and I can see that there is a problem with this wing. And so the stewardess said, okay, sure, I'll, I'll take that to the pilot, which he did. And she comes back and she said, no, the wing's been checked and examined and there's not a problem. He said, there is a problem. He said, please go and say, this needs to be looked at. There's a, there's a problem with this wing. And she went back and she came back. She said, there's no problem. He said, I want to get off this airplane. He said, I'm not willing to fly in this plane. So he got up and the doors hadn't been shut. And, and he, uh, this is true. And he, he uh, got into the aisle and walked out and got off the plane. And that was that. Everyone at this point who'd been sitting around him and who'd heard this story <laughs> is now just feeling just a tiny bit anxious. And so the question was, um, who, did, who, did, who did this pastor sitting there now believe? Does he believe this guy or does he believe the, the pilot of the plane and the engineers? And what did he do about it? And really that's a, that's a pretty big question for life. Who do you believe and what do you believe? Now, in the end, he stayed put, the plane flew and landed at the other end, and it was okay. So who knows what exactly was happening there and what the guy was seeing. Um, but this question about believing, believing is actually really important. And beyond the question of who do you believe and what do you believe, there's actually an underlying question, which is what is believing? And particularly, uh, what is the biblical concept of believing? That's what I want to talk about tonight. There are lots of beliefs out there, lots of different uh, religious beliefs. We're surrounded with a uh, smorgasbord of uh, religious beliefs these days. But there's also other kinds of beliefs. There are conspiracy theories that are out there. Uh, I don't know if anyone's into conspiracy theories. Um, uh, if you're really into them, I'm sorry I won't be able to chat to you tonight. I've got other things I have to do. Um, because I don't want to get into that conversation. But uh, there's, there's kind of the well-known conspiracy theories, like um, uh, man didn't land on the moon. Who's heard that one? Okay, everyone. 9-11 uh, wasn't um, carried out by terrorists, but actually was carried out by the US government. And uh, what else? Elvis is not dead, but is hanging out at a hamburger place somewhere. But then there's really bizarre, obscure ones. And I looked looked up this website that talked about the weirdest conspiracy theories. And uh, here's one, here's two of them. The first one is this, that in 2012, CERN, which is a scientific research organisation that in Europe have this giant hydrogen collider that's under the ground and they test um, particles by firing them around. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, okay. And anyway, they, um, they discovered in 2012 a thing called the Higgs boson, which is also known as the God particle. Uh, and the conspiracy theory says this, that when they discovered this particle, they also accidentally, in discovering it, created a black hole that sucked the earth into it, and in 2012, the world ended. <laughs> the, the only thing is that we currently don't realise it because we're in the black hole and we've, we've gone into a parallel universe. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, here's another weird one. This is the second one. We could be here all night, but... Um, the, the Disney Corporation was concerned about an issue that was tarnish, tarnishing their reputation. And that was that there was, this is kind of a conspiracy theory layered on a conspiracy theory. There was a conspiracy theory that Walt Disney, uh, when he died, 
had his body cryogenically frozen, okay, and apparently under the um, Pirates of the Caribbean, right, is where it's stored. Anyway, um, but, <laughs> but anyway, the, the thing, the, the conspiracy theory on top of a conspiracy theory is that the corporation was so concerned about their image being tarnished because people were constantly searching this up on the internet, they thought we've got to somehow change the algorithm. So they, they created a movie that would change the algorithm, and that movie was called Frozen. <laughs> so that when people search Disney, Frozen, it would go to the movie, not the thing around his cryogenically frozen body. <laughs> it's just, you think, who's got time for this stuff? Not me, that's for sure. Um, but the thing about some of these theories is, as we think about believing in the biblical concept of believing, it's actually easy to believe something that actually doesn't really require you to do anything. You, you can just kind of grab onto something and get interested into it, but it doesn't really require anything of you. And to some extent, faith and religion and Christianity in Australia is a bit like that. I don't know how many in your network, if you're at university or studying or working a job, how many people around you, you would say, are Christians. Well, interestingly, in the last census, the last Australian census, they had the box to tick which religion you are. The percentage of people who ticked the box saying, I am a Christian, was 61%. Now, you'll probably appreciate that that doesn't quite match up with the realities you see around you in daily life. In daily life, um, when they did another survey through the National Christian Life Survey of actual church attendance, they found that the percentage of people who attend church and are part of a faith community, attending regularly, which equaled on average at least once a month, was 15%. So immediately there's a gap between those who tick the box and those who actually practice being part of a faith community. And it probably explained that there's this difference between those who say, well, I've got an abstract intellectual belief or a family connection or a historical tradition that says, yeah, I believe in God, so I'll tick a box, versus those who have something that I'll call a living, real faith. And the, the thing about Christian faith, if I kind of jump to the core of the message tonight, is that belief in the Bible is not just an intellectual thing that says, yes, tick, I believe in God but is something far greater. That belief demands, real belief demands a response. In fact, it demands your life. To truly believe is to let it impact your whole life. You see, I could hand out to you tonight a checklist of the Apostles' Creed. And you may not be familiar with the Apostles' Creed. This was a, a creed that was written by the early Christians in about the year 300 when they wanted to bring together all Christian leaders to come up with a, a, a simple statement that reflected the core of Christian faith. And this is what they came up with. We kind of just sang it. I believe, in God the, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, little c, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body 
and the life everlasting. Amen. That's actually a great statement and it's a very significant statement. Uh, And I could probably hand that out tonight to many of you here in the room, probably most of you, and you could go tick, 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 tick. And then you could submit your results and I'll say, high distinctions, you all believe. Great. Why do we need to renew our believing? But the real question is, are you allowing that belief to be belief in the biblical understanding of it, which is a belief that shapes who you are and how you live in every single aspect of your life? And that's the question. So before I get into that, I want to just uh, fill you in on uh, this series and how this uh, kind of pattern of um, topics fits together, uh, which is what we're teaching through in Growth Track, which will probably run at night sometime soon for new people. So um, I'm just going to do a little bit of whiteboard uh, stuff here, if that'll sit there. So the first thing uh, which I preached on last week was belonging, okay? So the, the message last week, for those who missed it, was that um, as a church, we want to say to people who come into this room, uh, you belong here. You're welcome here. You can belong here. In fact, we don't even mind what you believe. We don't even mind and say you have to conform to all sorts of behaviors to come here. We just want to welcome you and say you, you can belong here as part of this church. And the reason we do that was because we believe that's the pattern and model that Jesus showed. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were saying, you've got to believe all the right stuff and you've got to behave as we say you should. And if you conform to the right beliefs and right behavior, then you can belong. And anyone who steps outside of that is cast aside. But Jesus came along and loved people who were broken and hurting and sinful and tax collectors and very far from God. Um, Jesus... um, Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, this incredible statement about God's election of us. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before you ever believed or behaved, you were chosen before the creation of the world, which is an incredible statement. So we want to say coming out of that that you want to, we want people to come and belong in this place. And so if you're here tonight and you are unsure about what you believe, you have doubts, you have uh, various things in your life in terms of behavior where you think, well, that might not fit in church, I want to say you are welcome here. We want to love you and we want to give you space to actually think about faith and think about life and think about what you're about because belonging is really important. Um, But we don't want to just leave it at belonging because faith does call us to a response And there is a point where uh, the gospel calls us to to repent and to uh, believe. And so believing is really, really important. Uh, Forgive my uh, handwriting. My father was a doctor, so it's a genetic thing. Um, uh, So believing comes, uh, follows belonging. And so we want to help people to to believe and grow in their understanding and knowledge of God. We don't want to just belong because belonging's great, but if belonging just becomes kind of a club where we just hang out together, then we're never really going to go very far in faith. So believing is really important and follows belonging. And, um, and then, it doesn't end there, the next one is, um, this will be next week, is the word become. And that following belonging and believing, we want to help people become who God has created you to be. We have the belief that God has a plan for everyone's life, that God has gifts for you, that God wants to grow in you the fruit of the Spirit, and we want to help you as a church become who God intended you to be. Um, So that's the third thing. And then the last one is this one, 
which is uh, this word here, build. And uh, finally, out of, out of the belonging and the believing and the becoming, we want to invite people to partner in, with the church and partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that God is doing in building God's kingdom. It's a work that God does, but by his grace, he invites us to partner with him in his mission and the, and the Great Commission calls us into that. Now, this is not just a uh, linear thing, but it's actually a cycle because what happens is as people start to build in the church and they start to serve, uh, they discover that they grow and um, they work with people in teams and this then strengthens belonging and then that whole process strengthens believing and you grow and you learn even more, which helps you become even more of who God intends you to be. And it's what we call a cycle of discipleship. So that's where we're going in this series and that's where we want to go as a church. That's what we want to be about. So uh, I'll just put this down and restore this here. Okay, so let's get back to uh, believing. Where does believing fit with that? Um, Let's go into some scripture now. Uh, Let's look up Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. And this is going to be on the screen right there. Um, But I will look it up on here. And um, Genesis chapter 12. Um, Oh, I've just given it away. I was going to ask a pop quiz. Um, The question I was going to ask is, uh, if you're going to go to someone in all of scripture who is almost the model for faith or for believing, uh, who would you go to? particularly if I was saying in the Old Testament. And the answer is you'll go to Abraham. Um, Abraham is, is referenced repeatedly in multiple books of the New Testament as kind of like a, as, as an example of faith or the father of faith. It says in Galatians uh, that Abraham is the father of faith. Right, Father Abraham, that's why it says Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. And I'm one of them. So are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Left arm. <laughs> anyway, um, it's an in-joke for those who have been to too many church camps. So sorry if you missed that. Um, the Lord said to Abram, uh, did I say that his name was Abram to start with? Did I explain that? No. His name was Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. This happened quite often in the Bible. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And I just want to highlight one little thing here in this little verse. Is that when it says that, that all people on earth will be blessed through you, we are in the frame of reference right there. That's us. We are included in those people who will be blessed through the faith of Abraham which is pretty cool because this is Genesis chapter 12 and it's saying here that all people on earth will be blessed through him and we are among those blessed through Abraham and his faith. Um, And then it says this, verse 4, really simple but really profound. So Abraham went and Lot, his nephew, went with him. So Abraham went. God said, go to the place I'm sending you. He didn't even say where the place was. He didn't say the name of it. He didn't say whether it was like the weather was good there. He didn't say whether it was like uh, just a really cool place to hang out or a really ordinary place. He just said, go, I'm going to take, send you to a place and you've got to leave everything and you've got to leave everything you know and you've got to leave your family and all that's comfortable and you've just got to go there. And Abraham goes, okay. And he goes, which is pretty remarkable. I don't know about you, whether God, you would go 
anywhere God sent you. It's interesting that um, a couple of years ago, there was uh, two Baptist churches in Queensland who were looking for a pastor at the same time. And one of them was Maruchador Baptist on the Sunshine Coast. And the other one was Mount Isa Baptist in the uh, um, outer, outback Queensland area. Now, there were 30 applicants across those two positions. 30 applied for the position at Maruchador and none applied for Mount Isa. It's really interesting how God just really wanted Maruchador to have a great pastor. Maybe not everyone hears the call of God and is driven by a lot of other stuff. But Abraham hears God's call and that's it. He's gone. Incredible faith. Uh, the second passage I want to highlight is from chapter 15 when God makes a covenant with Abraham. And it says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And God took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And it says this in verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, if we jump ahead in New Testament, both of those two passages that I just read are explained in detail. The first in Romans chapter 4 and the second in Hebrews. So the Genesis 15 passage is used by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 to explain this incredible truth that Paul wants to highlight right through his letter to the Romans to say that we are saved by grace and grace alone. And the example that he spends an entire chapter explaining, using to explain this truth is the story of Abraham and the covenant. The fact that Abraham got taken outside and he looked up and he believed. And God said, I'm going to give that to you as a credit, uh, give righteousness to you as a credit based on that belief. And, and the, the point is made that Abraham later in life was, was circumcised, which was kind of a Jewish sign of covenant, and later took action. But here in this instance, he just believes. And that's enough. That's what God's calling him to. Um, but in the other story, of course, there's an action. So there's, there's belief that with an action that follows. And so it brings into this question about where does action and where does just believing fit? Is believing just believing or is believing believing with an action? And sometimes I've heard faith described as faith is belief in action, which is one way of understanding it. But actually these two words get really tricky when you start to understand them in terms of, um, of the Greek. I should have read the Hebrews passage. Let me do that before I do this. Uh, if we can jump to the Hebrews passage. And uh, uh, it says this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not where he, know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him. Of the same promise. For he was looking forward, this is a beautiful verse, to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So we have these two words, faith 
and belief. Now, interestingly, the word belief in Greek is the word pistis. Okay, I've got to be very careful when I say that. Um, and, and that word means in the Greek confidence or trust, pistis. The Greek word for faith, well, there's actually several words that are translated into English um, that are translated as faith. But the one that is predominantly, the, the one almost all the time used, is the word uh, pistou. Okay? So you have these two words, pistis and pistou, and you don't have to be a Greek scholar to work out that they're related words. They're drawn from the same root word. And belief is uh, therefore understood to be Trust in God's truth. Trust in God's truth. Abraham believed. Abraham put his absolute trust in God's truth. Um, but faith, faith is, is belief, is confidence, a confident attitude towards God involving commitment to his will for one's life. Uh, another word, a way of describing faith is to be utterly persuaded in the truth of what God has said. And so really, uh, when we understand them being the same root word, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And belief really that lacks action really isn't belief. And faith that doesn't have an action with it isn't truly belief. We're saved, the Bible says, and this is important to note, we are saved by grace and grace alone. We're saved by believing. But if in time there is no evidence that follows, you'd have to ask, have you really believed? If I said to, my, to, to you that for me, exercising physically is the most important thing you can do in life. The most important thing that I can do. It's the most thing that I'm most passionate about. The thing that I believe is the most important thing in life is exercising. And then you said to me, so what exercise do you do? And I said, oh, I don't do any. <laughs> you said, well, why is that? Have you got an injury or something or are you really busy? No, no. I, no, I just don't do it. <laughs> then the question would have to be asked, do I really believe it's the most important thing in the world? So the lack of action would be evidence of the lack of actual genuine belief. Um, James um, explained this really quite well. He had a passage um, which, uh, which says this in, in James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? He asked the question controversially, can such faith save them? He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Isn't that an interesting thing? Actually, even the demons believe that there is one God. That doesn't make them Christian demons. It just makes them demons who believe in the sense of an intellectual knowledge that there is one God. But it doesn't mean trust. It doesn't mean confidence. It doesn't mean giving of themselves to this God because he is worthy of giving our lives. He says, you, want, uh, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar, which is the third story about Abraham? You see that his faith and his actions, and this is kind of the thing, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete 
by what he did. Now, do you need deeds to be, do you need works to be saved? No, you don't. You're saved by grace and grace alone. The man on the cross who turns to Jesus in his last moments after a life probably of rebellion and crime and turning against God says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's it. God dies. Didn't, didn't do any works. Uh, but if we live our life and there's a failure to actually in any way show uh, works that reflect our faith, we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe? So um, let's, uh, let me highlight to you then four key aspects of believing. Uh, if you're going to renew your believing in 2021, here's four aspects I want to encourage you to, uh, to renew. First is renew your trust in God for salvation. If you've made a decision of faith to believe in God, then I want to encourage you to renew your amazement and wonder at what God has done for you. It says in that uh, great famous song, Amazing Grace, uh, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And I would like you to be able to say, how precious does that grace appear to me this hour, even if there's been many hours and days and months and years since that first moment that you believed, that first hour that you believed. Because I think, don't think we should ever lose sight of how amazing is the grace of God by which we are saved. And how wonderful and how precious and how simply unbelievable it is that though we were still sinners and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and gave everything for us. Christ, who is the Son of God in human flesh, comes into this earth and dies on a cross so that we, so that you, so that I could be saved. How ridiculous that God would do that for us. And the wonder of that, just don't allow that to become something that is kind of just passe, that you just kind of get used to and, and loses its power in your life. It's the greatest truth you could ever know about the greatest thing that could ever have been done for you. Christ died for you. So may you be renewed in the love of that. I would say, talk about the grace of God. Read about the grace of God. Sing about the grace of God. Listen to other people singing about the grace of God. And let the grace of God stay fresh in your life. Secondly, um, uh, may you uh, renew your believing by renewing your knowledge of God in relationship with him. Because there is a difference between knowing things about God and knowing God. There's a difference between believing things about God and believing God. One is kind of abstract, one is relational and personal. And what God invites us into is a relationship that is relational and personal. I love when Jesus calls people. He goes to those disciples who are not yet disciples and he walks up to them and he eyeballs them face to face and he says, come and follow me. And they've got to make the decision what they do in response to that. How awesome is that? Jesus right in front of them saying, here it is. I'm giving you this call. Come and follow me. Make your choice. And I think Jesus is uh, now through the Spirit. Uh, we don't see Jesus face to face physically, but through the Spirit, God comes to us and invites us into that. Come follow me. Know me personally. Follow me personally. The third thing I want to encourage you to renew is your, your love and, if you like, your obedience to God's Word in the full span of God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. Because sometimes it's kind of like we go, oh, it's kind of a modern concept. Yeah, I believe in God and I'm a Christian, but... Yeah, I probably don't believe in, in, in this bit here. And I believe in most of it, but yeah, I've decided I'm not going to follow this bit here. 
right? If you're going to believe in God, then you've got to understand that his word is a revelation to us. This is the word of God, the living word. We actually got to back God in and trust all of it, even when there's times when we may not even understand why God has called us to this. Now, we're called to understand it in context, and so we need to do that. We need to do the study of the word of God to understand it in context, but we've got to be very careful. We're not just kind of going, yeah, this bit is, is I believe this is fantastic. God loves me. Oh, this bit, this calls me to something that's kind of a bit sacrificial or a bit costly or a bit different than what the culture says, this is how I should live today. So we'll just leave that bit because that's a bit too difficult. No. May you renew your love of God's word as revealed that he's actually guiding us and saying, I love you so much, I've given you my word because I've got the best way for you to live right here. And I'm going to speak to you through this living word and I'm going to guide you through this living word and entrust the fullness of it, uh, Genesis to Revelation. May you renew uh, your obedience to God's word as part of your renewal of your believing. And the final one that I want to speak about is uh, to, to embrace the adventure of faith. So I'm going to finish by talking about someone who I really love dearly, and that is Indiana Jones. Now, you guys are a young crew. Who has seen an Indiana Jones movie before? Excellent. I should say the other way then. Who has never seen an Indiana Jones movie? Okay. Lee, what have you been doing with your life? <laughs> Indiana Jones is awesome. Dun, 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 dun. Is that Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, that's Indiana Jones. That's Star Wars. Is dun, dun, dun. Anyway, um, Indiana Jones is a guy who's an ar- archaeologist. He's actually a lecturer at, at an American Ivy League university. I don't know which one, Princeton or Yale or something like this. And he kind of hangs out and lives on this beautiful campus and teaches the students. And his life's very easy. But he doesn't stay there. He's constantly, when you go to the movie, it always starts. He's never at the university campus. He's always in some... F- far-flung country, in a cave, being chased by bad guys on a horse because he's trying to find some ancient archaeological antiquity uh, antique, an antiquity antique, an archaeological antiquity antique. That's the, that's the proper term for it. And he's like, he's grabbed something and he's, he's riding away with it and people are trying to shoot him. And he's like shouting out, he says, it belongs in a museum. He's like putting his life on the line because this thing belongs in a museum. And he doesn't want him to fall into the hands of the bad guy. But that's believing. That's believing. We say, I believe in this so much that I'm actually going to go to great lengths to live this out. I'm not just going to sit in my university lecturing comfort and say, archaeology is very important. He's there. And I want to encourage you this year to embrace the adventure of faith because I think true believing is this wonderful invitation into an adventure of faith that could take you anywhere and it could take you into situations right here, mostly. For most of us, it's not like Indiana Jones where we're going to end up with like a, uh, a hat and a, and a whip and <laughs> we're kind of you know running around the countryside. But actually, the adventure of faith is to actually serve and lead and to get involved and to give and to bless and to visit and to care. I became a Christian at the age of 17 and a half, but I'd lived my entire life believing in God. I grew up going to Sunday school. My parents went to, took me to church every week. They believed in God. The people around me believed in God. All my role models, all my Sunday school teachers. It would have been hard for me not to believe in God as a youngster. I believed in God. 
But I didn't really believe in the biblical sense of believing because it didn't cost me anything and it didn't affect my behaviour. And when I went through my rebellious phase at around the age of 16 and a half to 16 and three quarters, <laughs> I didn't really rebel very extensively. Um, Maybe it was a bit longer than that. But when I was rebelling and, and not living a life for God at all, if you'd asked me, do you believe in God? I'd say, yeah, sure, I believe in God. So if Jesus died on a cross, yeah, I believe, I believe he died on a cross historically. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really mean anything to me. In 17 and a half, something radically changed for me in that I made a commitment of faith where I truly believed. I truly believed in the sense of, I believe this is for me. I believe I need to repent. I, I believe I need the grace of God, his forgiveness, his mercy. And I believe I need to give my life to him, that he is worth making the Lord Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. So here today, I said at that age, I give my life to Jesus and I commit myself to him and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to have confidence in him and I'm going to believe in uh, the salvation that comes through faith in him and I'm going to live my life for him. And at that moment, that's when I truly believed. And I say that because there may be people here who have had that kind of intellectual sense of I believe in God, but have never actually had the sense of I believe as in I give my life to this cause and to this Christ, to this Saviour. If that's you tonight, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you um, to raise your hands in a second if you want to make that commitment of faith, to truly believe. And also I'm going to... Um, ask you to say if you want to if you want to refresh and renew your belief as we're bowing our heads i'm going to ask you to also raise your hands as we pray because sometimes actually just a simple kind of indication or, or raising a hand is in in and of itself doesn't you know is not some kind of supernatural thing but it's just a way of saying yes i want to renew my faith i want to believe in a deeper way so let's pray and i want to pray a blessing upon you that you might truly believe and that you might truly know the fullness of what it is to believe and have faith in god and so let's pray together heavenly father i want to pray firstly tonight for anyone here who hears that story that i told and resonates with that and actually tonight says well i've kind of believed intellectually in the concept of you God but I've never believed in you and if that is you tonight and you say I want to believe as in put my trust and my confidence in Jesus and I recognize that actually I need his grace and forgiveness and mercy and therefore I want to repent and turn to him and I want to put my trust in him for the first time in a very real way believe and have faith as the Bible understands and explains it I just want to ask you if that's you tonight just to raise your hand right where you are awesome and as we pray tonight if you just want to as a as a way of just identifying that faith in your life where you want to say i want to be refreshed in my belief i want to enter into the adventure of faith in a fresh way and i want you to refresh those aspects that i spoke about refresh my uh, my commitment and obedience to your word and my my love and and just appreciation for my salvation and to enter into the adventure of faith and to um to, to know God in relationship in a way. If you, want to, if you want to refresh that and renew that this year as you kind of start out this year and all that, that's about to happen with university and things about to start, I just want to ask that you just raise your hand as a sign that that is you. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I pray for every person that raised their hand that you would indeed be strengthened by the grace of God 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, and that this year would be a year in which you discover the wonderful joy of what it is to truly believe and follow after Jesus. I pray in his name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.